Happy Sunday. We are so glad that you're with us on this journey and what a journey it's been. From staying home for online church to getting creative local outreach, this church has never been closed. So keep engaging in the comments. We have pastors in the chats making note and praying for your prayer requests throughout the week. Or if you would like to further connect with our team so that we can pray with you, celebrate, or guide you in your next step with the Lord, you can text NEXT to 88000 anytime and someone will be following up with you. When it comes to reaching our world with the gospel, we couldn't do it without you. We all play a kingdom role. So thank you for how you're giving, how you're serving, and how you're spreading God's message of hope. You can give anytime during service through any of the ways on the screen. Again, we're so glad to have you with us today. We've got a great service ahead.
Hey, New Life Church. My name is Rick Bezet, and I, along with many other pastors and leaders, have been glad to say that this season, although different, we have been able to pray with people, minister to people. More people have connected through the Word of God digitally than I ever thought possible. So I have an announcement to make, but I want to make this clear first. We are going to remain as pastors through this means for a long period of time, and I want to thank you for your faithfulness. We've also made it pretty clear that phase one is way too difficult to meet as a church, but we studied this and we've thought about it, and we are convinced that we can do it with certain precautions. So we've studied it, we've visited other churches, and on Father's Day, June the 21st, we're going to meet again at every campus in the state of Arkansas. If you want to know details for your campus, on Wednesday, June the 10th, the pastors are going to put together that announcement through video, and they will post it at their campus site right there on Facebook. So go and take a look at that, and you will see the details. So... Many of you might have questions about what that looks like, but I just want to make this clear. We're going to pastor here like it matters because it does. And some may want to return to the church in a building. If that's your preference, this could be your chance. But first, pay close attention to the way that we'll have church in that phase. So today, I want to talk to you about pride. I'm calling it Pride and Arrogance. Uh, because I believe this is a great season for us to pay attention, for us to listen, for us to pray. This is the reason why we've talked about love so much. We have to have humility in our nation, in our church. we got to have it in our home. I've noticed that there's so many people, young and old, uh, who are arrogant. And when this happens, it breaks down relationships. Even in my home, it will hurt my home. So I'm going to talk about this with a lot of conviction because I think it keeps from us growing in our relationship with God and one another. Here's a question. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and right in the middle of that argument, you realized you were wrong? Like you remembered a fact that you had forgotten before. Have you ever been in that place and you tried to act like you were still right? Like you're arguing that it happened on Tuesday, but it really happened on Monday. And right in the middle of it all, you remember it was Monday. But have you ever just held ground? You just tried to act like you were right, knowing that you were wrong? That's pride. I'll tell you something else about pride. It keeps you from making phone calls to learn and to listen. It keeps you from praying with people. So if you find that you're in a cycle right now where you are not growing, I think it could be related to pride. And maybe even deeper than that, it could be arrogance. So I find when you're loaded with pride, and there are so many seasons where that is me, I always notice what everyone else needs to work on in those seasons. But I've noticed when I'm humble, I'm looking around for what I need to work on. So I want to talk to you about this because to me, it's related to wisdom as much as any other topic. And in fact, if I were to ask you, what is the worst sin that you could participate in? We could argue about the theology that really no sin is worse than another sin except for the consequences. And there's a measure of that that is true. 
For example, if you've ever sinned once, you still have to be forgiven by Christ to have a relationship with the Father. This we know. But I want to go back to that question. What is the worst sin? Well, I am convinced that it's probably pride. A few times in the Bible, the Lord relates and even states what sin he hates the most. And pride is listed first. You can even see in Scripture that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Right now, wherever you are, uh, can you say with confidence that you need more grace? I know I do. Well, he's going to oppose people who are prideful, thinking they know what's going on and they know all the answers, but he's going to extend grace to those who are humble. If you think about Lucifer, the reason why he was kicked out of heaven was because of arrogance, pride, and it'll take heaven out of you. You can see it right there in the garden with Adam and Eve. Eve was not trying to feed her face. She was feeding her pride, and it led to the downfall. The Bible talks about first comes humility, and then comes honor. So without humility, you'll probably never have the respect that we all want in our life. So we have talked to you about love. That love never fails. We've tried to hit that straightforward for weeks now. That love doesn't keep records of wrongs, and it is, not, it is kind, and it is patient. And, but today, I want to take it a step further or deeper, and I want to talk to you about pride and what it does to the soul, my soul and yours. There's a person in the Bible who I think exemplifies humility more than most. Let's just put it that way. His name is John the Baptist. Okay, I'll admit the guy's a little weird. He would eat locusts, but I eat crawfish, all right? I understand eating weird things. But in John chapter 3 and verse 30, they were trying to give him a lot of accolades, uh, a lot of respect, because he had it together with the word. He had it together in the words that he was sharing. But when they tried to give him too much credit, he goes, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. John 3 and verse 30, he must increase while I must decrease. Now, what I'm not saying is that you should have more insecurity. No chance. A humility, when you see it, it's usually the most confident person in the room. Because God is increasing inside of you, and it does give you more confidence to know that he is God and you are not. A person in the Bible who did not get this humility correct is this young king in the Old Testament named King Uzziah. It's a big story. Uh, clearly, he was the goat of the day, the greatest of all time. People would come from all over the world to study uh, the achievements of this king. When he was 16 years old, the Bible said that God blessed him. Look, look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. I'm 58 years old, almost my whole lifetime. Uh, that's how long he was king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Please remember that. And then it says, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, 
God gave him success, which pretty much means to me it's about 52 years he was seeking God. But the Bible says in verse 8 that his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. But then in verse 16, it says, but after Uzziah became powerful, like God was blessing him because he was seeking after the Lord. But after he became powerful, the Bible says, pride hit him. And his pride led him to his downfall. And he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. I want to talk to you about that through your view, your life. By the way, King Uzziah walked into the church right after that and started pushing people aside like, I know what I'm doing. And uh, he just disrespected everyone around him, all of authority and all of the pastors. And he just felt like he was consecrated by God to do whatever. The Lord didn't tell him that. His pride did. And while he was in there pushing people around, the Bible says that leprosy started breaking out on his skin. I don't know if you've ever had a problem with your skin, but I'm convinced that leprosy is probably the worst thing that can happen. And in fact, it not only started breaking out on his skin, but the Bible says a few verses later that he died with leprosy. So let's listen. For 52 years, this man was a very successful king, but he was remembered at the end as the king who died with leprosy. Because you're not remembered by your entrance, you were remembered by your exit. And pride caused him to have a bad exit. You can tell when someone is prideful because they start pushing people aside. They stop paying attention to obvious demeanor around them that disagrees with them. It's very complicated to be married to someone who is prideful, who will not admit when they're wrong. It's also hard to raise a kid like that. It's hard for a teenager to live in a home where a parent will not admit when they're wrong. I've lived in seasons like this. I came from a family. If you want to know how to spell pride, it's B-E-Z-E-T. We're pretty good at pride. So I've thought about this through the years quite a bit. But what does pride do to a believer? So in Proverbs 13.10, it says arrogance causes nothing but trouble. In other words, you're not going to have any success today when you are arrogant, when you walk through a room like King Uzziah with arrogance, when you get up in the morning with arrogance and you're prideful and you forget that God is God and you're not, when you're not craving and worship that he would increase so you could decrease. I've noticed that, that pride, it does several different things. Here's one, a prideful and arrogant person uh, they make a lot of deceiving mistakes. Like they're not intuitive. They don't see it the way that it should be. There's been many times where I thought uh, Michelle was wrong or one of my kids were wrong. Uh, but when I got before the Lord and the Lord revealed some weaknesses in me, uh, there were times where I noticed, hey, I was wrong in this situation. I was deceived. So I've said for years uh, to people who are trying to make a difference, that you're not as discerning and you're not as intuitive as you think you are. 
Pride is not intuitive at all. When you're humble, you see the rest of the story. Which reminds me of a Boudreaux joke. Everybody knows we need to laugh sometimes. And this is a great story. Anybody ready for a Cajun joke? Boudreaux was very worried about his wife because she couldn't hear good. But she was dealing with some pride. She wouldn't go to the hospital. She wouldn't go to the doctor. She would not go to the ENT. He begged her, come on, baby, you got to go. He, she would not do it. So one day he's playing golf with, a, with an ENT, and he told the doctor the problem with his wife's hearing. He said, well, bring her in. And he said, she won't go. I done tried this so many times. He said, well, come on, just, just try to get her in. He goes, she's not going to do it. He said, all right. He said, go home and you give her this test. And if you measure it properly, you'll be able to let me know how bad her hearing is, and I'll tell you what we need to do. So he said, sure, dog, what do I do? He said, go home, and when she's doing something normal, you just stand about 10 feet behind her and ask her a question at a normal pace and a normal volume. And when you ask that, if she doesn't hear you, go to nine feet. If she doesn't hear you, go to eight feet, seven, all the way down, figure out the number and come and let me know. And I'll let you know how big of a problem this is. So he goes home and she's cooking. Boudreaux stands 10 feet behind her. He said, hey, baby, what's for dinner? She didn't answer. He's thinking, man, she, she's so deaf. So he got the nine feet. Hey, baby, what's for dinner? Nothing. Eight, seven, six, five. Hey, baby, what's for dinner? Still nothing. Four, three, two feet. Hey, baby, what's for dinner? Still nothing. He gets the one foot away, and he says, hey, baby, what's for dinner? And she turned around. She said, I done told you nine times we having crawfish pie. It was him. He was the one that was deaf. That's what pride does. It points at everybody else when you might be the problem. This is what the scripture says. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 5, take the log out of your own eye first. Like this is what you do first. Like if you're on an airplane, they always say, hey, if the oxygen mask fall, put it on your face first. And then try to say the people around you. That's similar to this, this verse. It's saying, pay attention to the plank that is in your eye, the log, the huge problem that is on you before you look around and see the problems on other people. You know what? Pride keeps us from doing that. I've heard people say that love is blind. You know what I've learned? Pride is blind. And the second thing is arrogance, it provokes arguments. I remember back when I first became a pastor that I thought it was all about authority. I thought, man, I'm a pastor now. People are going to listen to me. And so I just went around bossing people around that first year. A lot of things happened in that first year uh, that God used to, to humble me. I'm not humble yet but I'm nothing like I was in that first year. I remember there was a missions conference uh, at our church and these people were talking way too much in the back of the auditorium. So my prideful self as a pastor walked over and said, I think y'all need to be quiet. Well, I went and sat back down and I noticed they kept talking. So I walked over again. I said, you need to be quiet. I'm a pastor around here and you need to be quiet. And then I went to sit back down again. It was about that time that someone tapped on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, 
And Pastor Rick, this is a missions conference, and those are Hispanic people from Mexico, and they're being translated to. They can't understand the sermon if you don't let them do that. It was just so embarrassing. I tried to be nice to them for the rest of the day, just buying them stuff, like, here's something to drink. You want some more food? And I don't know if they ever forgave me. They certainly didn't seem mad at me. But that was all related to pride. During that first year, there was a big conference with T.D. Jakes at our church. We have 6,000 seats in that auditorium. And T.D. Jakes, he brought in 10,000 people waiting outside and 6,000 in the, in the house, in the auditorium, in the church. So people were saving seats, so we had to tell them not to save seats. I was seated way up front uh, with my family, but there was no other seats. So I went around trying to find a seat here and there. I found one lady way in the back who had saved like five seats. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you're going to have to remove those saved seats. And she goes, is that right? And I said, yes, ma'am, you've got you to open those seats up. She goes, why do I need to do that? And I said, because we can't allow people to save seats now. There's about six to 10,000 people outside still. And she goes, let me ask you a question. Where are you seated? And I said, up in the front. She said, and how do you know? I said, because I saved it. <laughs> I was just busted there. This is what happens to prideful people. Like they're always going to get caught in it. But do you harden your heart and become even more of a, a problem to everyone around? Or are you going to allow the Spirit of God to humble you? Romans 12, 16 says, don't act big and don't think that you know it all because you probably don't. And then number three, pride prevents intimacy. Here's what I know for sure. You cannot get close to somebody who's prideful. You can get close to them in some areas, but not fully. Like they will not let that guard down. Like it's very protected. Pride does that. It's like they live in a prison to a degree, like you're not getting in here like quarantine day in and day out for years. I remember speaking to a lady and they were having some serious marital problems. And so I had them both in there and she looked at me. And by the way, they had been married for 28 years. And she looked at me in one of the sessions because I could not figure out the problem. And she said to me right there with her husband in the room, she said, yes, we've been married 28 years. And yes, he loves me. And yes, he works hard, but I don't know one true thought about him. He has never opened his heart up to me in any way. I don't know what his fears are. I don't know what his concerns are. I don't know what he needs from me. He just keeps that heart locked down. And I looked over at him and he had a look on his face. I'll never forget it. It's like, that's true. It's staying there, back off. I'm sure it's obvious to everybody that that marriage didn't make it. And then number four, pride. It postpones healing and reconciliation. In Ephesians 4.26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. 
and do not give the devil a foothold. It even says in, in Proverbs 28, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. One time I went to the hospital as a pastor. We're always making our rounds. And I'm going to close with this. And I went to a hospital to pray with a man. His family was all around. And uh, so we had a very conservative conversation. In other words, it wasn't very deep. And then I left. Well, the next time I went there, it was just he and I. And he looked at me and he said, look, I know for sure the Bible's real, but I know for sure I've never given my heart to the Lord and I want to do it right now. And I'm like, game on, yes. So I prayed with him. At the end of that prayer, he told me, he said, now listen, I don't want anybody to know what I did. I just want to keep that between us. So I said, well, let me think about that for a little bit. So I went home and I called him the next day and he was dying. He wasn't extremely sick at the time, but he was dying. And uh, so I called him the next day and I asked him uh, how he was doing. And he said, look, I made a decision. I've changed my mind a little bit. You can tell people at the funeral that I gave my heart to the Lord. And I said, okay. I'll do that. I said, but if you really want to have victory, let me show up at the hospital when your family's there and let's tell them then. And he struggled with that, but he said, okay. And I showed up and I walked in the room and his family was all around. They're all believers praying for him for a long time. Very calloused man who had given his heart to the Lord. And I said, let's call him Joe. I said, Joe, can I tell your family? And he said, no, I think it would be best if I did. And that man told the story of how I'd prayed for him not that many days before. And they just broke. It was good for everyone. But you know who it was best for? That man. He got to see what life was like and humility versus pride his entire life. So I don't know what you're struggling with right now, but I know that in the days that we live in, in my entire life, there are people who live around pride and there are people who live around humility. We can divide everyone in this world in those two parts. And the people who are humble, they're trying to grow. They're paying attention to the word and realities around them. But those that are prideful, they just know what they think and they disagree with everyone who disagrees with them. This is not what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in these days. This is not what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my home. This is not what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my heart. And I think it's the same for you. So let's get humble. Let's let him increase while we decrease. That's the most confident place you will ever live. So with that in mind, let's do some worship together and think about that in Jesus' name.
Thank you for worshiping like that. I'm convinced that the weaknesses that are in our life when we worship, that's where we have the best chance to see it. So I wanna ask all of you to bow your heads, everybody that can, let's do so right now. I think some of you have, have found out that you're not right with God. Maybe the pride is killing you, killing your relationship with the Lord. And if you were to die today, are you ready to meet the Lord like that man in the hospital? I mean, how's it going with him? Have you ever committed your life to Christ? I'm convinced that many of you have never given your heart to the Lord, like I surrender all to you, O Lord. Is that you? So right there, wherever you may be, uh, this can be an incredible time. Because the Bible says when you give your heart to the Lord that he takes out your old heart and gives you a new heart. It's like incredible. And all of heaven rejoices over it. So do you need to settle your relationship with the Lord? Jesus called it being born again. And it's an incredible moment. I, I remember on Super Bowl Sunday in 1981, I made that decision. And uh, what a great day for me. Do you have a day like that? Let's call upon him. Lord, I thank you for your grace, for your redeeming grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, the way that you came and you spent three years teaching us your word. And, and then you gave your life for us. And then you gave your Holy Spirit to us. We have your word to learn from. We have the church to help guide us through your word and with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that people are making decisions to serve you in these days, in these different days, lots of tension, a great time to meet you. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. We're so sorry for our arrogance and for our secrets, for our strongholds, our habits, our plans away from you. And we invite you into our life. We repent of our sin. And we turn directly to you. Or we ask that you help us make decisions for you. And when we fall short and sin again, Lord, I pray that we will turn right back at you again. That shame will not lead us, but you will. And we do want to thank you for being here. In Jesus' name. Hello, this is James Dearman, and I'm the campus pastor of our Heber Springs campus. And on behalf of New Life Church, I just wanted to thank everyone who's been faithful in your giving through this season. And even for those of you who just started on that step, uh, we thank you because it's more important now for everybody to play their parts more than ever. Because in this season, we're not only learning how to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus online and in other ways, we're also meeting a lot of practical needs right now. And the truth is this, that it is very difficult to receive the love of Christ when you're in the middle of pain or when you're hungry. And so that's where you come in. You've helped us a lot. We've been able to provide over 400,000 meals to people who needed them so far. And that's incredible. Uh, but our church has long been known as a church who just gets in there with people 
and helps them with practical ways, just spreading the love of God into people's lives. And uh, certainly in this particular season, that need has just increased. And so that's what we're doing. And let me give you a real quick update on what's going on right here in Heber Springs. Now, when I mention Heber Springs, most of you probably think about the lake or the river. And yes, those are gorgeous, but behind the scenes, what you may not realize is we have a lot of poverty here as well, and a lot of need, addiction, and hunger. And so our campus, for years, has been feeding people through our food pantry and just helping them in other ways. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. But what we're most excited about uh, that's going to help us in the future is the building that I'm standing in right now. It's what we call our Outreach Campus. Now, interestingly enough, it was also our original church location here in the city. Uh, we've since relocated our church to another, another place, but God has enabled us and, and given us the opportunity to be back in this building uh, to be able to help meet the needs in our community. It's perfect for our growing food pantry and for being able to store household goods that we can help people with and other programs. Like, for instance, this summer, we'll be feeding kids right out of this location. Here's the cool thing for you, is that you actually help us bring this kind of experience and help to people all over the state of Arkansas. And so there's several ways you can give. Uh, I believe they'll be on the screen, but you can text to give. Uh, you can also go online on our website or on our app, and you can give that way. You can set up recurring giving, which that's really helpful. Or you can mail in your donation. And if you need to know the particular address of your campus, you can find that on our website. One quick story before I go, and that is I have to brag on one of our life groups that got involved in our outreach efforts. This is a group of ladies that knows how to sew. Well, they saw the need for masks, and uh, they just started sewing masks. And this group of ladies is, is up to 3,700 masks they've given away. What? That is crazy. They've given masks to our local law enforcement, to nurses and other medical professionals, uh, teachers, uh, anybody who needed masks, they're giving them to, to those people. And I am just always blown away at our church family, at the way that you love God and you love other people. So well done, and thanks again. Okay, everybody, I look forward to this every week. I think you do too, and many of you have told me that. But I want to pray the prayer of blessing. I want to pray His blessing, the Lord's blessing on you right now. In your home, if that's where you are, wherever you may be, if you're walking, if you can, just be still before the Lord. If you can, open your hands before the Lord. And if you can, close your eyes and agree with me in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for everyone at the sound of my voice. I want to thank you for the incredible grace that you give us as, as we call upon you when we don't feel worthy. Talking about pride like this, it exposes so many weaknesses in our lives. And we're just doomed without you. But with you, we can change. And you still love us. It's hard for us to comprehend that even knowing the mistakes we're going to have this week, we're going to make this week, you still want us around. You have incredible grace, incredible love. You're very consistent. 
So, Lord, I ask that that grace and your face in your name shine upon us. Lord, I pray that we'll be confident to lead with your name and not to hold back. Lord, I pray that we'll take your word and lend it to people around us instead of always having to be fed. Show us something that we can encourage someone else with. It's amazing that you make us able to do that even with our flaws. Lord, I thank you that you're giving us ideas. You already have. But sometimes we forget to say thank you. So right now we say thank you. Teach us to how to have a thankful heart. For your word even says for us to enter into your gates with thanksgiving in our heart. We are so thankful for you. Thank you, Lord God, that the church is strong all over the world. And Lord, I want to thank you that you're teaching us things that we've done to to keep from growing. Things that we have done to keep others from wanting you. Let us reflect your name. So we love you and we're confident that you love us as well. And Lord, let this be a week where we read your word, where we stay in devotion with you and where we worship you in spirit and in truth because you're worthy of it. You're amazing and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people right there in your home or wherever you are, amen. God bless you and we'll see you around.